0: Welcome to the second episode. This week, we are discussing the, brand, the, next, the upcoming school year. Um, what we expect to happen, what we know will happen, and we are going to also analyze the um, DOE's response since March of last year in the form of a panel of guests that I that we have gathered here today. Um, so if the guests could go ahead and introduce themselves, one by one,
1: I guess I'll start. Okay. So everyone, um, for the sake of anonymity, I will go by JS and I am a current, uh, 2023 at Brooklyn tech.
2: Hello. I'm Chris Hansen, a rising senior at Brooklyn technical high school.
3: Uh, my name is Blink. I'm a rising sophomore.
4: I am Cliff, and I am a rising senior.
3: God, you guys are old.
1: What do you mean? You're just
0: young. Yeah,
3: that's right.
0: I- well, age joking aside, um, the first question that I'm going to pose to you all is: um, What do you think of? the guidelines that Principal Newman has set out for these schools. I will read them in just one moment. Um, some of the main points that were brought up um, were that um, uh, by the DOE, that um, our school will have 10% of unvaccinated individuals tested biweekly. And those exempt from this testing are fully vaccinated students and staff that um, New York City schools will be doing classroom-based quarantines instead of finding actual close contacts. Um, We've also received information that um, schools, they will only be closed when the contact tracers and the Department of Mental Health and Hygiene determine widespread transmission in the school. Um, The principal I'm sure has also said um, that Students will be split lunch between the lunchroom and a cafeteria. I mean, the lunchroom and the auditorium. Students will not be allowed to go outside for lunch. So these measures that are being put in place, what is your opinion on them? We'll start with Cliff.
4: Uh, well, firstly, I just want to say that I'm really curious where you were reading that from. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so a lot of it is very much not In Newman's control. Um, All of the testing, closure, quarantine stuff that's determined by the city, um, which I believe we're going to get to later. But school wise, I think, I don't think that the lunch split is going to be enough. I think that that's having lunch, uh, even with the amount of people being cut in half in the room. I think there will still be too many people in each room, and I think they're gonna need to find more space. Uh, if it were me, there would be people eating on the roof, at least for the first couple months. Um, but they're they're gonna have to find more space. Um, I think Can I talk about what I think about what the city's doing now or just school-based?
0: First, we're going to focus more on the school and then later on, we'll talk about the city. Um, Chris, you're next.
2: I mean, so, you know, uh, I agree with Cliff. I think because it's three feet, you know, we're definitely not going to be able to fit everyone in the cafeteria and the auditorium. And uh, I've already, like, I've already said that, Lunch in the auditorium just does not sound fun. I already hate sitting in the auditorium. And so the idea that I have to go there for lunch every day is just, uh, it's pretty terrifying. Also, they've definitely loosened up on the testing, you know, 10% bi-weekly now instead of like 20% weekly or whatever it was. Um, I'm not really sure if, I feel like that might be just a bit too loose, but I'm not exactly sure. Also, and, um I don't think we I don't think they've given a definition of what an outbreak is exactly. Like how do you determine what an outbreak is? So that's something that you know probably gonna have to wait
1: for. Thank you, Chris.
0: Um JS and I you're next.
1: Uh, so, uh, like Cliff said, I, um, most of this is in the city's control. So Newman can't really do anything about this, unfortunately. But the one thing that I believe he has control over is like the lunch split, right? So, once again, like uh, others mentioned, if you cut in half the people in the lunchroom, that's definitely not going to be enough. Like uh, even back with even back before like uh, COVID was a thing the lunchroom was packed and uh, if you cut that number in half I don't think you could get at least like three feet or whatever the recommended amount is so uh what I think that he should have done is that uh look at like literally any other high school like they're they they have an open campus they allow uh if not all the students then just like the top grades to go outside and eat that would help mitigate some of the, uh, some of the overcrowding at the school, I believe.
0: And, Clem, you're the last one to talk on this question.
3: I mean, I got to agree on some points, right, but it's kind of hard for Newman to do something. Our school is big, and, like, it's just crowding in general. It's just going to be hard to try to, like, sort of regulate these things to, like, keep the disease in control. But I honestly feel like the city should do more. It's like the city's fault if cases start to, like, skyrocket and stuff like that. Not really, like, a new thing.
2: Yeah, especially with the size of our school, I find it weird that nothing is different from pre-COVID. So that <clears throat> that definitely
3: concerns me a little. There might be, like, more people now.
0: Does anyone else have any other thoughts on this question before we move
4: on? Yeah, I have two things. First, distancing, it's not three feet. It's three feet where possible, which at Tech, it's not. Oh, yeah. um, the o- Distance-wise, the only real change is lunch. You're almost certainly going to be sitting in a classroom. With 33, 34 people, they'll just all be masked. Probably everyone will be facing the same way, um, which is a change from some classrooms. I doubt that... Um, I know like, some math classes were set up with like desk groups. Dou- that'll be the case. Uh, every room will have two air purifiers. Um, but yeah, distance, nothing's really going to change with the exception of lunch. Um, with regard to the school closures, the lack of clarity on what counts as widespread transmission is intentional. Uh, they are actively not saying what that is. Um, because if they give any sort of metric, then they have to follow that metric, and they don't want to do that because they don't want to close schools. So they say it'll just be um when uh, dohmh dohmh and test and trace um detect widespread in school transmission. How they do that, I don't know, but they'll figure it out.
3: I mean, didn't last year like when some people got a few cases, school shut down for like a day. It's like two cases
4: or something. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, no. last year... Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. last year the rule was schools shut down for two um, cases that did not have a link in the school. Uh, that changed... When did that change? Uh, March or April. Um, and it changed to... at four, at, at two cases they would increase the testing to be 40% weekly from 20%, which was the baseline. And at four cases they would initiate an investigation. Um, And then if they found in-school spread, they'd close the school for two weeks. To my knowledge that never, yeah, I don't think, I don't think an investigation that found in-school spread happened at all last school year. It happened twice over the summer.
3: I mean, Last school year, we had a remote option and like a hybrid option, right? This year, it's just like, the Blasio doesn't want that, so it's going to be more like regular, probably. At least that's what I think is going to happen. It's just really out of Newman's control. Like, he yes. you can, you can yes, do so- as much as he can as the principal, but the city will always be like in charge of this. He can't do like that much.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The single biggest decision that had to be made since May was whether there'd be a remote option. Um, and they took too long to decide it. And I think they made the wrong choice. That's a, that's an interesting question. Should there be a remote option? Um,
0: okay. Um, with that, we're going to, we're going to stay on actually, Cliff has moved us on to the next topic. Should there have been a remote option? Um, We'll start with Chris this time.
2: Um, I definitely understand, like, the concern of, like, whether we can even feasibly do a remote option, you know, with, like, um, uh, you know, with, like, staff and such. Um, I'm not, uh, like, I will say that I think everyone going back to in-person is definitely not the most, um, I don't have the most optimistic um, view on that. So I'm definitely leaning towards the opinion that we should have a remote option. So, yeah, it's
4: a choice. I am adamant. So... Well, firstly, it's too late to change their minds now. Um, having a remote, Deciding now that there should be a remote option would be a catastrophe and would not work. When they announced that there would be no remote option for this year, it was May, um, and cases were nowhere near where they are now. They were still on that decline from the winter. Um, and in my head, it was the right choice then. No one really could have foreseen Uh, the rise that's happening now, but I also think that you can't ask schools to run virtual school anymore, like, uh, by and large. Um, It needs to be a centralized um, thing. That's what pretty much every other district that's doing remote in the country is doing, is, like, you effectively don't go to the school you go to anymore. Like if you wanted to, to be a remote student, you wouldn't go to Brooklyn tech, you'd attend, um, whatever they called the virtual zoom school. And I just have my doubts about how good that would be. I don't think that it would be possible to make like proper connections being on zoom for a third year. The, it would also not be easy to staff. Um, because, like, in theory, you're gonna need all your teachers uh, to teach at school. So, where do you get the teachers to teach the remote kids? Um, because the numbers wouldn't line up such that there'd be the perfect amount of students per teacher in a remote.
0: Okay, Clem, you're next.
3: I mean, here's the thing, right? There, it's never too late. Because if you, like, look at the zip code, uh, transmission rates, the Brooklyn Tech zip code, it has, like, a high transmission. Uh, I feel like it's never too late to just put in that remote option. You should still just be doing, like, a hybrid option. Brooklyn Tech has, what, 5,000, almost 6,000? Like, you're not gonna be able to just allow for schools to happen without like seeing a demand and not a demand but like a rise in cases the seven day average is already high but when like every single school is gonna be like full capacity decreasing. yeah like
4: every covid metric in new york city is decreasing right is now it? except that
1: uh so what i personally think is that uh so first of all this isn't really uh a bit sidetracked but Obviously, I think a hybrid uh, model like last year would be a disaster because teachers would need to teach both in person and virtual at the same time so I don't think that would be that that's not a good move. you could either be full remote or full in person so um and like Cliff brought up, I think that uh for the remote option it would be some sort of like a doe virtual school instead so if they wanted to they could do that but uh, well, I think what I would have done as a Chancellor would be uh, I would have given like this uh, remote option but just uh, dissuade people from uh, going into it for for example you put like shitty teachers into it or something and then uh, and then you see, like, the clear advantages of going to school in person. Uh, that was what they tried to do last year, and it didn't work. Yeah, uh, I, I heard that, like, STI last year, they uh, they had the blended students sit in the auditorium and go to school, like, uh, through Zoom. So I guess that's, like, sort of the dissuasion that I would pursue.
0: All right, um, now we're going to um, stay on this whole topic of school safety. I am right now on the DOE website. I'm just going to list a couple of the measures that they've implemented. And one at a time, um, in alphabetical order, I'm going to ask you to just give a quick sentence or two on whether or not you agree with these and why. So the first one is vaccination requiring all staff to be vaccinated, but not all students above 12. Now we are taking into account that students under 12 cannot get vaccinated, but um, that's the policy that they're holding on now. So um, Chris, you can start off.
2: Um, Wait, so like requiring everyone above the age of 12 to be vaccinated or?
0: The current policy is requiring Uh all staff but not all students twelve and over. For them, it's only strongly re- encouraged.
2: Yeah. So whether should, I agree,
0: so these measures, do you agree or not with this measure?
2: Um. Yeah, I guess I. Yeah, I guess I do agree. Um, I, you know, I, I just it's kind of. I feel kind of weird about like mandating the vaccine. I mean, I think teachers should uh, be mandated to get the vaccine. Um, but I'm not sure for students, it feels like, I'm not sure. I like, I know that I know the vaccine is effective and all. Um, I would just feel a bit weird about mandating the vaccine for students. I'm not really too sure though. Oh, me now. Right. Um, yep. Uh, the vaccine
4: should be in my opinion, mandated for everyone. Um, for whom it is fully approved right now. That's everyone 16 plus with Pfizer. Um, It should 100% be mandated for teachers. It should have been mandated for teachers earlier so that they were required to be fully vaccinated by the first day of school. Right now, we're going to have teachers who are not fully vaccinated well into November because they're only required to get their first shot by September 27th and that's bad. Um, But Yes, the vaccine should right now be mandated for students 16 plus, in my opinion, because those are the
1: ages for whom it's fully. Okay, so I'd like to partially agree and partially disagree with this policy. So about this, uh, about the teachers being mandated to vaccinate, hell yes. Uh, But like Cliff said, that we should have mandated it back in like uh, June or July or something so that they're vaccinated by the first day of school. And for the argument of students being vaccinated, uh, just a quick correction, I think Pfizer is authorized for ages 12 plus now, not 16 plus. No, so, it's authorized. Um, oh, so I
0: will come up with that. The, I'll come back with that information, one second.
4: I mean, I know the answer. It's fully approved for 16 plus. It's still under emergency use for 12 through 15.
1: Oh, really? That's correct. Ah, oh, thank
0: you. And if I'm not mistaken, Moderna is also close to getting approved.
1: Okay, so yes, about but. the students that are 16 plus, uh, it's not an emergency use authorization vaccine in that case anymore. It's an it's an FDA approved vaccine. So, uh, I'm pretty sure that the school mandates. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they mandate like hepatitis vaccines or. And other vaccines. What's the difference between uh, mandating those vaccines and mandating the uh covet vaccine? I don't really see a
0: problem with mandating it.
1: All the answer right, is that um, those vaccines are all fully approved.
0: Yeah, Um you're about to answer in a second. Um that will be our next question. Like what is what is the difference between mandating other vaccines and this one and that will be the next question so after Clint goes we're um we're gonna immediately go to cliff and we're gonna address that question next
3: yeah uh i think if it's fda approved you should be mandated to get the vaccine if you need to like be vaccinated to cross borders you might as well need to be vaccinated to go into like schools and stuff because like a lot of people they have younger siblings were older like uh grandparents living with them right and they are posing a risk if you're not getting vaccinated and you're going to school because you could just like transmit it to like other classmates and stuff and they bring it home. Now they might not be like suffering from it because they're vaccinated, but they might have like family members at home that will. So I feel like it should just be mandated.
2: Yeah, since it's all right, um, a- since it's FDA approved for six and up, I think it should at least be mandated for those. Um, only reason I'm a bit unsure is because I've been fed so much garbage at this point. I really am not sure, but...
3: (sighs) Somehow, like, if you have every single information on, like, human technology, right? Like, we have Google, we have all of this. We're somehow, like, getting stupider every single time we go on. People just keep, like, reading this shit on the internet about, like, COVID. And it's just, like, it surprises me how, like, people comes up with this, like, Shitty conspiracy theories. It's just funny.
0: All right. Um. With that, we're done with the vaccine mandate. Next. Um. Every student and staff member must complete the health screening form in one word or two. Yes or no? Yes. Same word. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, the next one. All students and staff must wear a face covering when riding on school buses anywhere on school property, indoors and outdoors, regardless of vaccination status, unless they have a medical exemption and schools will be providing masks should they not have them. During lunch, masks may be removed so that students can eat comfortably at a safe distance from one another. They may also be removed during designated mask breaks, during which students will maintain physical distance from each other. In one word, yes or no?
3: What the fuck are mask breaks?
0: So apparently these are designed for younger children, I'm thinking, assuming. So um, they just be so socially distanced from each other and they be maskless for a little while. Okay. Anyone else?
4: Um, yes, uh, no, yes, Yes. agree, it, disagree. Uh, I, yes, agree with everything, but should not be mandated outside COVID. Spread of COVID while outside is negligible. It should be mandated for everyone regardless of vaccination status indoors and should not be mandated at all outdoors.
3: I think if people can keep like that six feet social distancing, then yeah, the uh, mask should not be mandated outside, but they should be mandated like for indoor use.
1: Yeah, I'd also like to partially agree with this. So I'd say yes to everything except for the uh mass brace sorry elementary schoolers unless if they're taken like outside or something but other than that i really don't see a point in uh mass brace but uh i did like the school policy of like uh, if you had to like drink water or wanted to eat a snack like during hybrid last year you had to like step outside the classroom into the hallway i thought that was pretty safe
0: all right um the next one is called This is where um, the whole splitting between cafeteria and auditorium comes in. Um, Physical distancing recommends schools at least three feet of physical distance between students within classrooms. And where it's not possible, um, it is important to layer multiple other prevention strategies. During meal service, schools will use outdoor spaces and additional spaces in school buildings where possible to support physical distancing. Meals may be served in multiple locations and during multiple time periods. So I'm guessing this is where the whole auditorium versus cafeteria thing came from. Um, What do you all think of this CDC guidance? The whole three feet in a classroom. So...
4: I want to emphasize again, it's three feet where possible and what the CDC says, but I don't think it says in DOE world is that distance should not preclude students from in-person learning. Meaning that if a, if any minimum distance requirement is keeping people out of school, that should not happen. And I think that is the correct guidance. Yeah, I think that's the correct guidance. And I think anyone who wants to be able to be in school should
3: Do you fit like 30 students three feet apart though, like in a classroom?
4: No, and that's why it's where possible. Um, Yeah. Like, by and large, we will not be distanced, which is why it's so important that we're all masked all the time. Everyone who's vaccinated, who should be, who can be vaccinated is ventilation, air purifiers, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Actually, the next measure is ventilation. Good ventilation is essential to prevent COVID-19. Um, every DOE room in use by students will have fully operational ventilation through either natural, mechanical, or a, com- or a combination of means. As an added precaution, every classroom in the city has been a- provided with two HIPAA purifiers. Cafeterias and bigger schools will be provided with larger units. Um, and the DOE says that these measures meet or exceed guidance from the CDC as well as Adding window based exhaust fans to cafeterias. So, um, how do you feel about this? And the possibility that windows might be open in the winter? Yeah, so last year, uh,
1: in like November or something before these schools were shut down due to cases, uh, it was cold as hell in the classrooms and that sucked. And uh, one concern I have is that lunch in the cafeteria the, wait, no, not lunch in the cafeteria lunch in the uh, auditorium so about the auditorium it's windowless it's hot it's stuffy i have no idea how they're gonna like provide ventilation through it i mean it is wide open but like still i'm still a bit concerned about that
3: i mean covid sticks on surfaces i don't know
4: um With regard to the auditorium, they added ventilation of some sort this year um, or over the summer. That's part of what the construction is. The auditorium is actually not approved for occupancy. Um, Last school year, like if you check the ventilation report, it had an X. It now has a check. So they fixed something about it. Um, I think, yeah, I think they had to get access to somewhere that has the ability to turn on the ventilation system. Um, Wait, but they still allowed students
1: to uh, enter the auditorium during hybrid last year, so, like, isn't that a big, like...
0: Yes, that's Um, correct. Students were, indeed, in the auditorium whenever they had three periods.
5: Yeah,
4: that was bad. Um, I'm not entirely sure how they did that. Uh, They had fans running and all the doors open, and everyone was like twenty feet away from each other, but yeah, that was still something that they should not really have done.
3: Uh I would like the, to say something. Well, ventilation is a good thing, but how are they gonna like make sure the surfaces are clean? Just like,
4: there uh, is no the documented point. surface transmission of COVID. Is they it. are wasting that's time and money by spending money on electrostatic sprayers. It's a waste of money. COVID the doesn't next spread
0: point. via surfaces. You know. Right now, let's stick with ventilation. Cleaning will be the next
4: point. Yeah, let me finish with ventilation. Ventilation is one of the most important and one of the ones that was focused on latest, which is bad. The purifiers they got are not, like, they're weird. Like, they have some proprietary thing that doesn't measure up against the ventilation standard, which is HEPA, H-E-P-A. But, yeah, they got weird purifiers. But, yes, ventilation is important and air purifiers are good, and it's, it will be, like, bring a coat. It is worth it to have to have the windows open in.
1: Yeah, about the purifiers, so last year, uh, near the end of the school year, I saw some purifiers being, in, like, uh, like uh, it, w- it, w- it was, like, Windows, like, p- um, plug-in purifiers. I don't know how to describe them. But anyway, like... Uh, they look cool and all, but like, can they actually really do the job? Like, you have one small purifier, and you have like this huge ass classroom. How? Like, um, I don't really see how purifying all the air is possible.
0: I think what they're trying to get at here is numbers. The more like the, the more purifiers they have, the, the better the air will be purified. I don't really know how this is going to work. I mean, it, it, it. But it could possibly mean that in the in the winter, we're gonna have a lot of open windows. We're gonna have students freezing in the classrooms, like we did last. It wasn't even that cold, but in outside, but inside, it was. We teachers, they were wearing jackets, scarves. It was. I, I, my, my hands. I, pretty much, almost like I felt I was gonna get frostbite from the cold but it is important to note ventilation we do need to keep the windows open we can't complain much covid-19 is an airborne disease and, i mean so are we, we we're going to have to sacrifice comfort or you know to cuz at this point it would be insensitive to to prioritize comfort over the well-being of the school community um the next um the next um what's it called the next guidance that the deal we have um, involves cleaning, cleaning surfaces, lots of surfaces, all classrooms, common areas, uh, auditoriums, and gyms. Hand sanitizer will be everywhere. Disinfectant wipes as well. High touch areas such as doorknobs and water fountains—they will be cleaned multiple times throughout the day. Each classroom will be deep cleaned and disinfected daily, and it, they're not going to use any, you know, cloths and whatnot. They're going to be used using electrostatic technology for classrooms. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Let's start with JS.
1: Okay, so about the cleaning, I'm worried that it'll cut into club time because the last, uh, when was it again? Like, uh, when the outbreak first started, like in March or something, I think, yeah. So, uh, Quick story, I was on my way to badminton club that day, and then uh, we were suddenly told by the janitor that club has been canceled because uh, that to do a deep clean of the classrooms and uh, and the cafeteria and stuff. So that sucked, but I'm, I'm really worried. Like, I really hope that they don't cl- cut into club time because personally for me, that's a huge part of school life. And uh, for all the disinfective uh, preventive measures and stuff, They've already implemented that from uh hybrid last year. So I've seen people going around cleaning the doorknobs. I've seen, uh, hand sanitizers and wipes like, uh, by the doorways of the classroom. I can like pretty much guarantee that, uh, if you need any sanitary items, they are probably there.
0: Okay. Clint is next.
3: Uh, I really have nothing to say.
2: Wait, hold on. Are we going to talk about remote clubs?
0: Um, later, later, later we will. Okay. Let's get through these safety protocols first. There's, I've, We've got like one more that we're going to go through. Uh, any, if anyone, uh, Cliff, you can go ahead.
4: Yeah, it's a waste of money. Um, hand sanitizer is good, but spending any more money on electrostatic sprayers and that dumb stuff is done. It should be going to more testing. Um documented surface spread of COVID is effectively non-existent. Um and I am also, even though Newman has said that clubs will be in person after school, I am also worried that it will cut into club time. And yeah, the the it is August of twenty twenty one. We have known for over a year that spread of COVID via surface touching is negligible and it's infuriating that they're still spending any
2: sort of money.
0: Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts?
2: Uh, what does an electrostatic spray even do? Let's see here. Uh, yes. Google is your friend. <laughs> yeah. I'm yes, looking at know. Google right now.
0: I'm- electrostatic spraying. It's a device that works by applying a small electrical charge. For some, I don't know what. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, To aerosols when passing through the nozzle. These charged droplets adhere easier and stick to environmental surfaces.
1: So, is it that like does a. does not sound cheap at all. So
0: electrify electrified Lysol.
2: So, is it like a disinfectant?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's just a uh, disinfectant. It's just electrified.
2: Yeah, those sound expensive and unnecessary.
0: There, there are other people that are. They're using foggers and vaporizers. What are your thoughts on those?
4: Uh, we can't use fog machines because they set off the fire alarm.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. COVID nineteen testing. This is another big one that people have problems with. Um. Regular COVID testing will provide school communities with and public health efforts with valuable. Um, information. Um, every school will have 10% of unvaccinated individuals who have submitted consent for testing in their school population and tested bi-weekly. No one else will be tested except for these students. Now, should all unvaccinated students be required to get tested? Um, You guys can start off in any order you wish. Just make sure not to speak on top of one another.
4: I'll start. Um... It's not enough testing. It's nowhere near enough testing. They should be testing at least the same amount, 20%, and they should be testing vaccinated people too. Um, Another big understated change this year that you touched upon is that you can just not submit consent and then you don't have to get tested, uh, which is insane. But then you think about it, uh, what are you gonna do? Like you can't, last year, if you didn't submit consent, um, they would put you in remote learning, but there's no remote learning. What do you do with someone who doesn't consent?
1: Like they have to come to school.
0: Any other thoughts?
1: Oh, that's yes. a pretty interesting thought. Uh, like, uh, about the consent forms. So, uh, like with Cliff, I agree. Like, um, testing, I don't really think that, um, you would, uh, get a significant number of people if you're only testing the unvaccinated people, 10% of them, uh, since I'm pretty sure that I I assume that most of the people in the school community have a brain and actually got vaccinated unless, uh, there's some underlying medical reason that they can't. Uh, so, uh, what I'd say is that maybe like, uh, testing 50% of the unvaccinated people instead of weekly by, uh, instead of biweekly, uh, I think maybe it should be like weekly so you could test all of the unvaccinated students within like a two-week time frame which is like perfectly the which perfectly overlaps with COVID-19's uh transmission uh there it's infectious time uh
0: Clem and Chris any thoughts
2: wait so hypothetical question right um what if absolutely no one consents to being tested
0: that's a good question, and we should. I mean, what are we gonna do? Are we going There's no remote option. You're gonna have to show up to school, but the whole no testing scenario—it seems very unlikely. Should we hit that? I, I, the DOE here doesn't have any protocol for such a such an event. Um, I feel they they should be forced into testing. You kind of need testing to nip this thing in the butt.
1: I remember there was like a, uh, what was it called? It was like a, like a closed off room within the nurse's office or something. So like maybe they would just go there. I don't know. I mean, the amount of
4: testing they're doing isn't going to catch an outbreak really. Um, but I mean, they're not emphasizing it, but you don't have to consent. You don't have to submit to testing. Um, but since they're not emphasizing it, enough people will um, consent to it. Um, but it's also, it's not 10% of unvaccinated people. It's only unvaccinated people have to submit consent. And it's 10% of people that submit consent. So it, th- there will not be
1: a lot of testing happening this year. Yeah, the amount of unvaccinated people is already uh, pretty. I within our school community, I would guess that it's like pretty low. And then, like if you take ten percent of that, and then like with the consent forms and stuff, I don't even know if like some people even are aware of the consent form. So like they could just not fill it out by accidents. Uh, so honestly, that would only result in like uh, like maybe like a hundred or so. Wait, no. Fewer, like fifty or so, um, uh, tests per week, bi-weekly. Like, uh, think about how low that is. That's scary.
2: Yeah, that's really low. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All I mean, right. Yeah,
4: statistically. Sorry. Okay.
0: Never mind. No, no, no. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. Okay.
4: So, yeah, statistically. Um. I mean, every teacher will be vaccinated. Um. November and looking at the statistics of like what ages of kids are vaccinated um, about 90% of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander 13 to 17 year olds are vaccinated that number is 34 for um, black 13 to 17 year olds 57 for Hispanic and Latino and 38% for white So statistically tech is more vaccinated per person than the average school, I think, um, but like it, I don't think it's going to be enough. And I think we're going to see a lot of classroom.
0: All right. Um, we had briefly touched upon the possibility of remote clubs, um, the the whole idea of remote, I mean, of in-person clubs being delayed by cleaning. So let's talk about clubs. What should, in your opinion, the school do about this and should they guarantee us a a spot for in-person clubs or should we just simply do remote clubs
3: again? Let's start with Klim. I I think clubs should have an option to be remote or like in-person. I feel like that's a good way to put it. Because yeah, that's just it, honestly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't really see, like, anything wrong with allowing for a
1: remote option.
0: Okay, JS? Uh,
1: Personally, I think it depends on the club. Like, uh, some clubs, they just have to be in person. And other clubs, they're fine uh, virtually. So, uh, personally, um, I'm one of the exec. I was on one of the execs for the table tennis club last year. And... uh, there's not really much that you can do virtually, like what are you gonna do? play mobile ping pong games uh yeah, it's not gonna work. we there was this one session where we deadass just played among us, and I don't know like how how is that connected to table tennis. I have no idea, but uh for some other clubs like uh for example, like the big volunteering clubs hope and keep club those for those function perfectly well um if their meetings are held virtually. So um it really I, just depends on the club.
2: Yeah, I actually just remembered one thing. Uh the one flaw I do see with this is that in um it's a lot harder to tell who's actually attending a club when it's remote as compared to in person. Because you know, in person obviously they actually have to be there. Remote cl- uh, remote club you can just like, you know, log in to the Zoom meeting or whatever and then just leave.
3: Yeah. yeah. just
1: farm credits.
3: But like, here's another thing, right? I'm the event coordinator for the FPS club, and I feel like if you do remote club for uh my club, it's just easier and like more, like actually more efficient than doing it in person. It's been like a question that's been bothering like the execs of the club, like what we're, what are we going to do in person? There really isn't much that we can do. It's way better for just like remote at home, like with our own computers. Instead of like doing whatever in school. That's just it.
1: Wait, I'm oh, sorry, right, can I you should... repeat the name of the club? I didn't quite catch that.
3: Uh, it's the FPS Club. First person. Oh, FPS play. Club. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Oh, uh, but okay, uh, right, there's that's... computers yeah. at the school, so I guess you could. Yeah, but they're
3: those. not like as good as. You can't you download. Yeah, you can't download stuff either. That's true, that's true. It's not as good as like your personal setup. We do tournaments and, so like, yeah,
0: that's just it. A... All right. And Cliff, I know you're dying to say something. Go ahead. You have the floor. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I mean,
4: yeah, certain clubs can run virtually. I think giving clubs the option is reasonable. But also, if you're at school, if all students are at school until 2.45 or 3.30, when are you hosting a virtual club? like presumably people are going to want to stay and hang out with their friends who they haven't gotten to hang out with for extended periods period of time for over a year. Um, like, and some people it takes over an hour to get home. Like when can you start um, a virtual club? Um, but I mean, most of my clubs work like some of my clubs you can't do in person or you can't really do remotely. Some would work remotely, but like, again, it's, you can't engage people on zoom and i think if cleaning makes it so that clubs can only go to like four or five i will be mad
0: all right um when you were discussing js and claim when you were discussing fps club you brought up the whole point of um technology and the school computers um so we're gonna shift a little now to technology what in your opinion technology should be allowed to be used in the classroom or should we go back to using paper like we did in times past um, let's start off with um cliff oh
4: this is an interesting one um i think that eh, i think people should have the option um and i think for most people they will have the option i am gonna probably be bringing my laptop to school but like for math i'm gonna be taking paper notes um but and i think tests should should happen on paper mostly um but i think i think um i think that students should have the option so long as they can show that they're going to like actually be taking notes but that's an interesting one i have to think
0: All right, in that in that well, okay. Um we're gonna try to answer this. Um so um JS Clem and Chris, whichever one of you guys wants to go first. Um what devices specifically should students be allowed to bring? Are we going to let them bring in full ass laptops or should we limit them to just their phones or a tablet? I do I am aware the school has laptops and I'm I'm I highly doubt they will be handing those out again this year. So I wanna see your thoughts on what devices should be allowed in the classroom.
1: Um, Well, if you're comfortable with bringing laptops to school, like, uh, go for it. Uh, Like Cliff said, I think it should be up to the choice of the student. Like, um, I'm pretty sure that in college classes, uh, most people take uh, notes on their laptop instead of, like, on a pen and paper. If high school is supposed to prepare, prepare you for college, then I think you should get the liberty of choosing between those two. And, uh what's was, what was my other point wait give me a second uh yeah it's just go all i'm thinking
2: I, I just can't imagine going back to pen and paper after like one and a half years of using a laptop it's just That's gonna
3: be pain how's <laughs> your handwriting gonna be like i'm just saying
2: it's probably not gonna be like my fingers are probably gonna be dying after five minutes
3: Carpo tunnel with like writing. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that like everyone's handwriting has like regressed. I, I can barely read my own handwriting now. Yeah, and about the thing for uh, wait, what was the other question that you asked? Uh, Josh.
0: I asked about um basically what devices students should be allowed to bring in or like. If you should ha- let them bring in laptops, or restrict them to a phone or a tablet or something of the sort.
1: Oh yeah, that, about that. Um, if you're going to restrict people to just phones, uh, that's gonna be hella hard to take notes on. Like, uh, I ha I I only brought my phone in because I could. I I wasn't comfortable bringing my laptop in, and it was so hard to take notes. I hated it. This, I actually brought in like pen and paper for hybrid.
2: Yeah. And I mean, what's really the, like, what's the difference between using an iPad and using a laptop? Um, I don't
4: think they should be in the business of regulating devices uh, or what devices people use because like some people might want to take notes electronically, but they only have an iPad and they can't afford a laptop. Um, and if you're, outlawing laptops, like, that's not really equitable.
0: All right. Um, This is the last question. Um, Based on everything that we've discussed and any other external knowledge that you may have, how are you, how well on a scale of 1 to 10 are you expecting the upcoming school year to go? Uh,
3: 2 out of 10. Um,
2: I can't really put a number on that. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Uh,
1: I think it has, to be do, it has to do with like a perspective of what year you're comparing it to. So uh, I also can't really put a number on it, but like if you compare this upcoming school year to last year, it's, it's a massive improvement. But like uh, if you compare it to pre-COVID, I'd say it's like decent and maybe a bit less than decent.
0: Alright. Um, um well, I mean mm-hmm. go ahead.
4: Do I get to answer that one?
0: Oh yeah. Well which one?
4: The the, the reading.
0: Yeah. The reading, yeah. yeah, of course. I
4: don't I I'd say like I'd say a six, it really depends on how many people end up in quarantine or end up having to quarantine. But I think it will be much better than last year. And yeah that that's all i really had to i don't
1: know <laughs> it'll be interesting to see for sure i think well, it'll, that... it'll also need to like depend on this situation of COVID at the time like like hypothetically let's say like some COVID variant like a zebra or something just rolls through everything and destroy like destroys the hell out of everything i don't think it'll be like a particularly fun school year
0: Does anyone else have any final thoughts on any anything that we've discussed? Anything?
1: I guess it's just like all up to luck.
0: All right. Well, on that note, um, I mean, no I one mean, else has anything else to say. Uh-huh. If no one has anything important or relevant to say, um, Chris and JS and Klimd, um, thank you so much for coming on this, um, coming here on to debate you three you're excused and can go um we're going to take a short intermission and um then i'll be here with cliff and we're going to discuss the response in the past to one and a half years so we're talking about what happened already all right so um we're going to go back to march of last year um that's when we were first receiving reports that COVID was spreading to the city um we all we practically thought nothing of it. Um so the the first question is um were we all wrong to have been so naive about this virus
5: yes but we didn't know any like we we
4: didn't well we should have but we didn't know any better better. Like we the information out of like China and Italy really at that point um was not complete enough. Like we were flying, we were flying blind. Um, Like Washington state was a little bit ahead of us, but not really even, but we were flying blind with no real assistance um, from the federal government at all. So like, yes, but, for most decisions that were made, I can see why they were made when they were.
0: All right, so this scramble to remote learning, okay, I'm pretty sure the week, it was March, the week of March 16th, if I'm not wrong, um, I'm just going to pull this up here, but the, um, it was a Sunday when the mayor announced that schools were going to be closed, I will admit to having celebrated this news, you know, I thought, oh, we're going to go a two-week vacation. That's amazing. Um, we did, but then we found out that we we're going to do remote learning. And when that happened, teachers had to scramble for training and setting up Google Classrooms for their students. So what is your um, analysis of this whole scrambling to remote learning process and how effective was it?
5: So for
4: me specifically, I heard like absolute nightmare stories from other teachers and other schools about their first weeks of remote learning last March. So I have no real complaints. Um, What did happen that week is that there were lab confirmed positive cases at tech, as well as like suspected positives, like people who had symptoms who had family members who had tested positive um, that only became known like over that weekend March 14th and 15th but um teachers and staff still had to go in for those 3 days even though the building should have been closed because there were positive cases in that building so well I think the actual pivot to remote like I think it was done well but it didn't need to have happened in the building I think DOE forcing teachers to go in for three days to do training, which from what I understand was mostly watching tutorial videos and setting up Google Classrooms, I think that was a poor choice from the
5: DOE.
0: Right. Um, Some students had live classes, I myself had none. from March through all the way through to June when we had final exams, somehow we had final exams in some classes. Um, We were practically left unsupervised for three months. And um, it kind of worried me that the DOE was letting this lack of attention go by, that tech administration was letting this lack of attention go by. So you personally, March through June describe what happened and how you feel about it
5: that's a big question Um, (laughs) I don't like it
4: wasn't great but like what else could you do like teachers were not allowed to require synchronous appearance last year the school was not allowed to require um the school was not allowed to require teachers to have synchronous lessons um that year so like it wasn't great um but what else I don't really know what else could like that's
5: one thing that I can't really think of an alternative
0: and Another 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 point that should be mentioned is well, plagiarism. I mean, surely um, there should. I I personally believe that. The, but going back to school in September, that there should have been a way to gauge how much students had actually learned in March through June. And I, I mean, I I'm aware there was plagiarism. So um, should um should we have been tested on what was going on?
5: I think
4: tests, like pure, like multiple choice tests are bad because most teachers don't make up their own questions. They find questions that can um, just be found on the Internet. Um, But I think like writing And like writing assessments and things that you actually, like, there was no way to cheat on, like uh, the AP exams this year. Um, I think those were good and okay and not bad. But I also think teachers, like, should have adjusted the way they graded for the fact
5: that they knew that students had the entire internet at their disposal. And I don't think many did that.
0: All right. Um. So during March through June, we, when we were at home, we were confined, quarantine. Um, we, um, But uh, mental health is another issue that started to pop up in the middle of quarantine. Students, you know, facing depression and some other issues because of the confinement, the fact that they could not go out should... Ha- I mean, I'm pretty sure during the months of March through June, correct me if I'm wrong, that there was no such... There was no event planned to mitigate this should we have had at least one session dedicated to mental health
4: of 2020 you mean
0: yes uh, march through june of 2020.
5: gotcha um we did we had sel days
0: wait we did I, I, oh right we did but was that enough that in that case we did i'm sorry my memory's a little messed up but in that case was that enough for us
4: oh no um but you can't adequately screen for mental health online anyway so like they did what they could and everyone was so checked out um by that point um there was really, again, it was bad, but there was no good alternative.
0: All right. um, So that sums up pretty much March through June. The students were at home. Um, students were at home, they were doing their own thing. Um, we were left pretty much in limbo for a little while. And then September rolls around, September of last year. We are told that there's going to be a hybrid and a remote option that there was not going to be any full five-day um, five classes for anyone. Um, that transition, how did that go from full remote to a hybrid model? Because from what I well, heard... it didn't go great. Mm-hmm.
4: Sorry, you finish.
0: Um, Because from my, what I heard, I heard from some teachers um, that they were not trained to handle Zoom or Google Meets or whatever, um, so they were pretty much working on what the students were instructing them to do. I, as far as I heard, as, as far as I know, that I haven't heard any instances of you know students abusing this whole Zoom system. But um, that transition was certainly difficult for the teachers. What do you make of this?
5: Well, I can
4: tell you that it didn't go well, considering that in-person school was supposed to start for everyone on September 10th. Then on September 1st, 1st um, they delayed this first day of school to be um, September... Uh, so they had the first September 16th, 17th, and 18th to be uh, remote instruction days and the first in-person day to be September 21st. Then on September 17th, they delayed the opening of middle school's to september 29th from september 21st and high schools to october 1st so it didn't go great a lot of that can be laid at the feet of teachers unions um but it
1: it wasn't
4: great and like pedagogically um meaning teacher wise yeah um They had, like, 10 days of professional development, and some still had no idea what they were doing, which is, again, at the fault of the
0: city. Right, and those of us who actually did hybrid learning in that initial stage, we only went a maximum of, like, 20, maybe 15 times before schools were shut again. That was December, if I'm not mistaken. December,
4: right, when they shut the schools uh, again? No. Last day of in-person in 2020 was November 18th.
0: Yikes. So not even not even like a full two weeks, and already schools were shut. Not even a full month, and schools were already shut.
4: No. Made it about a month and a half. The first day of in-person for high schools was October
0: Okay, so like about a month and a half. that's most about, yeah, about 15, 20 in-person days for those who actually went. Um, so that decision, that came from spiking from rising cases, right Again?
4: Yes. As a condition to open schools at all, the city agreed that all public schools would shut when the seven day uh,
5: coronavirus average positivity rate hit
0: 3%. Alright, um, so having that, the Department of Education, should they have, considering the fact that there was always, that there was um, a, probably going to be a re should they have even allowed the reopening of high schools to go ahead?
5: Yes. They should have. They shouldn't have had a numerical threshold to close.
4: Um, or they shouldn't have had a numerical threshold to close. And if they did, it shouldn't have been cases. Um, it should have been hospitalizations because like, I mean, elementary schools, they closed on the 18th and then opened up December. They, they, they closed on the 18th of November and opened up on the 7th of December. Um, they weren't even closed for a month and pediatric cases, I believe, did not really increase um, over that winter. Um, So I do, I think that, I think that they should have opened. I think the way they were opened was, unfortunately, more chaotic than it had to be. And the way that they closed was also more chaotic than it had to be. But I don't think
5: they needed to close that much.
0: Or um, thankfully, from what I know, um, outside of the two citywide closures of high schools, Tech only had to close one time after, I'm not sure it was, Yeah, after December, after January, there was one time where the school had to close for a day. That was on a, I think we were on break though for that.
4: Yes. So when, so high schools opened on March 22nd um, and tech got two cases without a link um, within seven days within that first week. So we had a one day closure the Friday before April break Um, which was ostensibly to investigate. And then they decided that that one day closure would turn into a 10 day closure. Um, But with the way that schools open, that high schools opened right before break, um, the 10 day closure ended like the 10th day was the Sunday. So we only missed one day of in-person.
0: Right. And um, so that brings us now we're in, March, where March, April, all the schools are open again. Um, we, there, as far as I, I know, there were a, a couple of cases attacked, tech, but that wasn't, none of those required the closure of the school. More like classroom, there was a classroom, I think, on the fifth or sixth floor that was fourth, fifth, or sixth floor that was closed because there was a case in there that was completely sealed off with red tape, um, inside the schools, um, Inside the school itself, there was social distancing as possible. They had laid out, um, um, inside the school, on every floor, they had laid out a specific path in which direction to walk. Uh, I can't remember if it was counter or if it was clockwise, but um, as far as I know, nobody's adhered to it. It wasn't enforced. Should this have been enforced, this synchronized rotation of people around the building.
4: No, there weren't enough people in the school for it to matter. It was very easy to maintain six feet of distance
0: at all times less. In the, the school itself felt like a ghost town, um, <laughs> which is very, it was a very eerie feeling <laughs> knowing that there was only saw so many people inside. Um, the school, obviously, they did what they could but for those students who stayed at remote, um, should, the, um, like should the school have paid a little more attention to those who were stuck at home?
4: Yes, undoubtedly. The reason they weren't is that summer 2020, it was assumed that like you had to fill out a survey to opt for remote learning. And if you didn't fill out the survey, it was assumed that you would be at in-person learning. And about three hundred no, 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 no. Yeah, about three hundred thousand families, um, or about three hundred thousand students out of one point one million um in the system uh opted for remote. So it was assumed that the vast majority of students would be coming to in-person learning. That wasn't the case. I believe only two hundred thousand students. Um, of the 800,000 who are ostensibly in in-person learning ever showed up in the fall. Um, and that's why that happened because there was just a
5: fundamentally incorrect assumption that the most students would be in person, but they weren't, most students were. All right, so
0: judging by this, um. So now we have made it pretty much to June, where we're uh, once again back in person. The cohorts that that went smooth, you know, finals, APs. Oh, APs. Um, the language APs were forced to be done in person. Um, I'm pretty. I can sort of understand why. You you kind of need to be in person to in, in order to gauge a person's understanding. You can easily cheat it from home. But the other AP exams, um. Um, just talk briefly about your experience, um, taking an AP exam remotely.
5: Um, it didn't feel that
4: weird. I did the digital practice, which was like a shortened non-counting version of the test. So I knew what to expect. And also by that point, I'd been doing virtual tests
5: for over a year, so it wasn't really anything.
0: Um, from compsci uh, for computer science, um, from what I uh, a recurring thing that I kept hearing was that the um, the College Board they had run out of um, questions. This is a theory; it's not fact, but that they had run out of questions, so that by the time that um, tech had its turn, um, <laughs> students were taking pretty much only three units worth of exams. I can't confirm this, but this is what I've heard from um, uh, multiple students. The same three units, um, should this have been allowed to happen?
5: I have no idea about that, so I'm not going to say anything about it. I had not heard.
0: So um, in but, theory, they ran out of questions. And so so much so that the last group, Tech, was the last group of students. In the fourth group, the full remote that to take an AP exam, so by the time that they had gotten to tech, they ran. They, the theory is that they ran out of questions. Should this theory be be true, was is the College Board at fault for not planning out their exam more thoroughly?
4: I do not think that happened, and I'm not really going to say anything else about it. But well, I mean, your first bit was also wrong because we were the third
5: administration, not the fourth. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's fine. Okay. Well, staying on
0: the college board, as far as I'm concerned, um, most, most, if not all tech students, they had, they took test free. Right. Right.
4: Uh, yes. Everything. Uh, wait. Because Stone was second admin in person. Language was third admin in person because it had to be. And no, 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 no. Capstone was second admin at home. Language was third admin at school.
5: Everything else was third admin. Mm. So, from the
0: 2020 2021 school year, was there anything that you wish would have been different? Anything that if you had been chancellor or if you had been principal or whatnot, that you would have changed to improve or worsen the quality of the students' education?
5: So, I mean, yeah,
4: I have many ideas, but I don't really think dwelling on the past is necessary, but also none of the people you named make big decisions. The people that make the decisions in the system are the mayor and his education team, not the people who work in the DOE. Um, the chancellor is a figurehead for the school system who does have some say,
5: but like it's not it's not the chancellor making those decisions.
0: So the Chancellor the chancellor is basically a figurehead. So he was practically inre- irrelevant in this in all this.
4: It's not that he was irrelevant, but I mean, he the chancellor Chancellor Carranza, he also resigned at the end of February, um, because, uh, he cited burnout and that he'd lost family to COVID, but that's not why it was reported by the New York times that he left because he and the mayor or cause he wanted to go further on desegregation policy than the mayor did um and they were trying to figure out uh, gifted and talented for this past admission cycle and they couldn't.
0: So how much of the troubles that we've had can be blamed on this power struggle between the mayor and the chancellor?
5: Uh, most of many, not all, I think,
4: but Fundamentally, chancellors are educators and they at least have staff who they work with directly who work um, with people in schools um, and who understand the reality on the ground. There are so many people who work at Tweed, which is the DOE central office, Tweed Courthouse in Manhattan, um, but like, it's not them that are making big decisions like that. And I wouldn't call it a power struggle exactly, but with the way mayoral control works, uh, mayoral control of the city school system, uh, a lot of it is to blame
5: on the mayor.
0: All right. Um. So the um. Do you believe that the federal the federal well, the federal government? Do you think that the federal government should have played a bigger role in sending a Standard for COVID in school learning, or should that really have been just left to the municipalities?
5: Uh, The federal government can't really, Um, if they. mm, eh.
4: Because the the federal government, the the federal Department of Education does not have a lot.
0: if I sorry, um, if I recall recently, um, it was President Biden who wanted in state, like who uh, who, um, who asked that certain state examinations be given, right? So,
4: so no, well, kind of, but the way it works is in 2020, the federal education department, um, gave what's called blanket waivers for administering state exams um, or not state exams, but exams that track student progress for a federal law called ESSA or the Every Student Succeeds Act. Um, Those waivers were given blanketly. You could just apply every state did um, and got them. Um, In 2021, blanket waivers were not, given um to stu- uh to student to uh, sorry to states and districts but they could still apply um and some did but also that's tests um it's not like what i thought you were asking was about like um like mask policies, social distancing uh, curriculum blended and remote learning stuff like that and stuff like that um, the federal government cannot really have a say in just because of the way that states'
5: rights in American government are set up.
0: Okay. Um, I actually do have a question. The state, how much did they interfere in this entire affair? The,
5: the state government?
0: Yeah, the state government.
4: Like, Sorry, you mean the state government, like Cuomo and state education?
0: Yes, Cuomo and the state of education, yeah. what, did they do anything that affected the way we learned it or impacted oh, the yes. mayor?
4: So, yes, so Cuomo and Governor Cuomo, or former Governor Cuomo, um, that's a whole other thing, and Mayor de Blasio have hated each other since de Blasio came into office and wanted universal pre-K, which had to be paid for with taxes on the rich, which Cuomo was opposed to. Um, The state got involved with everything. Um, When de Blasio wanted to do a shelter in place earlier, like March 14th, 15th, Cuomo said, no, that's ridiculous. And then instituted his own version of a shelter in place. This is in March, 2020. Uh, a week later, by which point it was too late. Um, When de Blasio was going to close the schools on the 15th, um, Cuomo jumped in and announced that all New York schools would be closed just like 10 minutes before de Blasio was scheduled to make his announcement. Um, When in April de Blasio said that schools would be closed for the whole year, um Cuomo made an announcement later that day that it would be up to him whether schools would open or not which didn't really make sense because the state government was never going to force city schools open at that point um but yes the entire pandemic has been a power struggle between the mayor and the governor it's actually less so in education world because uh the governor does not control the state education department, uh, but he does control the health department, which set um, lots of rules and stuff like that. Um, But yes, there was a lot of mayor, governor,
5: or New York, Albany power struggling happening over schools over the past year and a half. All
0: right. So now both Cuomo and Carranza are gone. What hopes do you have for, for Hokel and Porter, the new governor and chancellor respect respectively?
5: So Hokul, I
4: hope, can does like a proper clean house at state government. She said she's not sure whether she's gonna keep Howard Zucker, who is who was Cuomo's health commissioner she should absolutely not keep him. She should get rid of him. Uh, People on the MTA board, Larry Schwartz, she should absolutely get rid of them, Uh, of him. If he doesn't resign, Linda Lacewell already resigned from the board. She was Cuomo's head of the department of financial services and she was on the MTA board. She resigned when she resigned from financial services. Schwartz who doesn't really have a job in government has said he will stay. Hochul should absolutely not let that happen. Um, I don't have any major education hopes for Hochul. Um, I know she's doing a universal mass, universal school mask mandate um, at some point, and I think that's good uh, for her. Generally, I hope that she gets congestion pricing going, um, approves an extension or a recreation of the eviction moratorium, and helps get the rental the ERAP um, uh, and helps get the emergency rental assistance program or ERAP money uh, out the door because New York has been having a lot of trouble with that. Um, Yeah, my hopes for her are not really education related. Um, Porter is an interesting one. Um, She's been in charge since March, um, but again, the chancellor is really just a figurehead for the mayor. I hope that the next mayor, who will almost certainly be Eric Adams, keeps her on as chancellor. I don't think he will, um, but I hope he does. Uh, but for her, I don't know. She's having some forums this week. I'm probably going to go to the Brooklyn one. Uh, learndoe.org slash Um F-A-C-E. I'm probably going to go to the Brooklyn one of those. And I don't know. I hope... I want to meet her. I hope she comes to tech
5: at some point. Um, but yeah, th- those are my hopes for the two. Of
0: them. All right. Um, so yesterday on um, picks, on PICS on Politics, Channel 11, um, Councilman Mark Trieger, who is the chair of the Committee on Education, he has announced that uh, the chancellor has agreed to testify at the city council's oversight hearing on the DOE school reopening plans. This is scheduled to happen on Wednesday. So, um, from what I gather, um, that they're planning to grill her on the lack of a centralized remote option for families. What, what, what would, what should we expect to come out from this?
5: Nothing.
4: It's, it's it's September. It's happening in September. It's a charade. Um, nothing is going to come out of it except maybe some tweets from council members. Um, but it it is too late, fundamentally, to plan a centralized remote option. And, hey, if they'd said in June that DOE needs to have one, great, but they didn't. And it's September or er, and it'll be September and it's too late. Um, I don't think anything, there might be some sparks flown between DOE and the council, but
5: I don't expect anything substantial to come from that hearing. All right, well, um, I think
0: that, um, well, there, yeah, there, there seems to be this pressure for a remote. I, I don't know. I highly doubt it's gonna happen. Like you said, it's a little too late. Yeah. So, um, let's just hope that, um, that the next mayor actually happens to, to um, you know, get their pull, pull the DOE together. Hopefully, um, your thoughts on Eric Adams as a candidate?
5: Um. Mm. Strong candidate,
4: ran a strong campaign. Um, he, I don't think that, I mean, I'm only in New York City for one more year. Um, he'll be my mayor for six months-ish. Um, I have, I don't know. I, education-wise, I don't think much is gonna change. He'll probably appoint a new chancellor. But, like for education, he doesn't want to get rid of the SHSAT. Um, he I don't think he wants to change G & T, and like he his, his big thing actually was year-round school, but I think he's laid off that. His education agenda was not really there. Um, so I will be interested to see what he said so this fall uh like with criticism of how school's going as far as i know he hasn't said anything um
5: with regard to whether he supports a remote option um let me check
0: yes um go ahead and in, in the meantime while you check that i'm also going to pose this whole question uh, surrounding the shsat test debate too. um your thoughts on this debate if you want to weigh in, we don't have to we could completely leave that I notes. don't, th- yeah As
4: yeah, I don't see anything from Adams on the lack of a remote option um, but he's also like, de Blasio is going to try to get as much done as possible uh, in the next few months to try to leave his mark on the city uh, and he's going to try to do a lot of things that Eric Adams can't or won't undo um that's why i mean D.O.T.s rushing lots of like bike lanes um and stuff right now uh i'm not gonna weigh in on the shsat because you could do an entire podcast about that um
0: yeah I think that but, i think we'll leave yeah. that another time um go with that i think i thank you for for this we did drag it out a little longer than i had hoped uh, that i had wanted to um i think um we did cover a lot of ground um to the viewers uh, to listeners, if they didn't if there's something that we missed um we'll probably have um some sort of way for you to submit any questions that you may have and we'll try to get them answered um that's all for this week, so we'll be back we'll, we'll we don't I'm not sure what we'll do next week I'm not sure um what the plan will be when the new school year starts if what schedule what release schedule we'll have um we'll certainly try to update as much as possible, but I mean, you're going to have to bear with us while we get settled in. Um, So Cliff, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And that marks the end of this week's podcast.